Welcome to Inside Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Inside Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. Hello, everyone, and welcome. LEK Consulting conducted the annual European Brand Owner Packaging Survey with over 600 participants across food, beverage, beauty and personal care, health and wellness, household and pet and consumer electronics. Participants spanned Germany, the UK, France, Italy, Spain, and Poland. And sampling was conducted in November and December of 2022, with final results delivered in January 2023. And in this episode, we will discuss the key takeaways from this survey, the impact to sustainability, and the implications to packaging companies. And to provide insights on these topics, we have several LEK consultants today. Everyone, please take a moment and introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Karen von Kienlin. I'm a senior partner in LEK's Munich office, and I've been spending the last 30 years on growth strategy and transaction support across the industrial space, which includes quite a lot of packaging companies. Hi, I'm Shona Doherty. I am a senior manager in LEK's Munich office, together with Karen, and I focus on growth strategy in the industrials practice and more recently have been uh, concentrating on sustainability and packaging topics. I'm Philippe Gorge, partner in the Paris office. I'm a consumer specialist and I focus on beauty, health and wellness. I'm Carmen Morales, partner in the Madrid office. I'm part of the industrials practice with a focus on packaging. Super. Thank you all. Appreciate that. Uh, let's let's do this. To start out, why don't you give us some understanding of the purpose of this survey? Give us some insight on what you were looking to understand. Sure. The, the survey was quite extensive in surveying brand owners that have decision-making responsibility for packaging in their respective countries. And we took a sample of 600 respondents across six different countries throughout Europe. And, you know, what we were looking to understand was really uncovering a range of topics, mostly related to trends and how decision making is evolving and how um, packaging will be changing in the next couple of years compared to the last few years. Some example of that is, you know, we've looked to understand what the evolving needs of uh, brand owners are in terms of the material that they're using, the amount that they're spending on packaging, the innovation that they're bringing to packaging. And also having a look at the impact of very relevant trends. So taking sustainability, taking uh, an increase of e-commerce, and also most relevant in this current uh, macroeconomic environment, the impact of you know economic headwinds on some of that decision making as well. Great. So let's let's talk more about trends. What were the actual trends in brand performance, and how did brand owners? respond to them during and, and after the COVID years? 
if you think about it, 2022 was labeled as the year of perma crisis, and there have rarely been years that have seen such a lot of change and shocks to the system, you know, starting uh, with a war in Ukraine, still COVID, but then also economic related supply chain issues, then rampant inflation, interest rate increases, and so on. So when we did the, the work um, at the end of last year, we were really curious about how brand owners are actually looking at this. And, you know, what the differences are by segment or country, or even if you compare Europe to the US, for instance. And I think uh, some of the trends that are emerging are actually quite encouraging. And one of the big surprises in Europe was really that um, brand proliferation has been continuing throughout. So, you know, you might have expected, oh, with all the headwinds, people are cutting down the number of SKUs per primary brand and so on. But actually, overall, um, the picture is pretty positive. Now, that has also been supported by statements of 40% saying that they have uh, new brands and relaunch brands. And that compares to, say, 25% in the US, so quite a marked difference. But there's also been um, reference to promotional activities and short runs um, who are growing. Now, of course, the economic headwinds have shown some impact. So 70% of the brand owners said, yes, their customers are sensitive to the recession. And um, they're looking for substitutes, they're looking to trade down. But actually, in the last year, they claim that they've on average gotten 10% price increase through which you know, to some extent is all sort of inflation and it does not mean expanded margins, quite the reverse, but at least some of that went through. And their expectation is that for the next year, 13% could be passed through without material impact on volumes. However, they do see on average about 7% trading down. So they are under pressure and they are worried about, you know, the costs of all their input factors, including packaging. Now, against that backdrop, it's probably quite positive that 70% still think that they're going to be spending more on packaging compared to last year, even though not that much more. So we're talking about on average 1.9% uh, versus 3.6% going forward. But only 5% actually said that they're expecting to spend less. And that's mainly because of some cost reduction programs and so on. So, you know, of course, all the packaging converters are also under pressure given raw material price increases, and there is some cost pressure to be expected. But by and large, um, there is quite a bit of opportunity here. Uh, any other trends in packaging spend or R&D, material selection, and, and are there any other ways that brand owners are adapting to them? Yeah, so... I think the key thing I would point out is really that there are a number of opportunities related to um, aesthetics and design. So when we asked people specifically around when do they change packaging materials selection uh, or what's driving new designs, they said, well, either it's to improve competitiveness and aesthetics or it is to save cost or uh, it's for sustainability reasons. So these are uh, quite important drivers of change and should be taken into account. I think there's also an interest in recycled content. So recycling actually was mentioned by a third as a potential area of investment. 
and accessibility of sustainable materials is actually quite important to them. And last but not least, I mean, there's also uh, quite a bit of uh, interest in smart packaging. Uh, so around a number of drivers um, and e-commerce packaging, not surprisingly, has thrived throughout COVID. And uh, we still see quite a bit of catch up in Europe compared to the US in terms of developing new formats and tailoring the packaging to specific e-commerce propositions. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, let's talk more on sustainability. What are the current trends and and the actions being taken by brand owners to achieve more sustainability in packaging? On sustainability generally, um, maybe the first thing worth pointing out is that 95% of brand owners actually do have sustainability goals. And um, there are different degrees to which they think they'll get there over the next two to five to 10 years. But it's absolutely clear that sustainability is a big topic and the expectations uh, of all the suppliers are actually to help uh, with um, fulfilling those pledges. So that's number one. I think originally sustainability was about um, calm footprint reduction and less emissions and less energy consumption, less water consumption and so on. But it's really actually um, started hitting um, primary packaging in quite a big way. And so, you know, about 30 to 40 percent of brand owners are expecting quite big increases in design for recycling, using recycled content. Uh, looking at compostable materials, um, and also looking at um, recycling per se. So these are things that converters really need to be on top of in terms of providing you know, new product opportunities to, to brand owners. Okay, Shona, what were the specific differences across Europe in terms of end markets worth calling out? We've surveyed quite a broad scope of various end markets from household and pet to consumer electronics to beauty, health and wellness. And as you might imagine, in certain aspects and in categories, the results differ rather significantly among end markets. And I'd call out two areas in particular. Um, one has to do with the sensitivity to recessions and how the various end markets are in terms of resilience. And the other piece has to do with um, difference in packaging trends um, between those end markets. So I'll start with the former. In terms of resilience and sensitivity to recessions, we notice that both beverage and household are more sensitive to recessions than, for example, the end markets, health and wellness and food being least sensitive, which when you think about it, isn't that surprising since health and food products are more consumer staples. So typically, you know, demand for those products doesn't change uh, dependent on the economic cycle. Whereas beverage and household, they have much more consumer discretionary products. So could be characterized by demand, which is more elastic to price. And so brand owners within beverage, for example, indicated a very high degree of price sensitivity and also noted that there's a large amount of substitute products, meaning that when the price of one product increases significantly, they could simply swap down and increase you know, purchasing of another product. So in that sense, it was much more reactive to economic headwinds. And this also then limits the ability of brand owners to pass on cost increases that 
you know, they've been experiencing over the last years as supply chains tighten, as materials become more constrained. And uh, whenever you compare with other end markets like health and food products, we're not seeing that trend as much. I think the other important piece to call out in terms of looking at significant differences between end markets are um, differences in packaging trends. And Karen mentioned a few moments ago that um, one of the elements that we were looking at from the packaging survey were differences in smart packaging and demand for different smart packaging features. And this also differed rather significantly across end markets, but also in line with expectations, right? So if you look at the food end market, for example, as you might imagine, there is a much higher use of freshness indicators, which should be quite calming as a consumer that your you know, meat and dairy products, which are prone to spoilage, would have an indicator of the degree of freshness versus, um, versus not. Um, whereas electronics, for example, was an end market that focused more on security features in their packaging and traceability features uh, as well. And I think another interesting smart packaging feature to call out is the consumer engagement features. So those would be, for example, QR codes that you see on packaging that can be scanned and it gives the brands a chance to interact with their customers and engage with them beyond just what's seen on the, the shelf. And we saw these kind of consumer engagement features much more prevalent in beauty and personal care and markets as well as household. Thank you so much, Shona. All right, let's go to you, Philippe. What were the highlights to note in beauty and personal care? Well, I think there are two elements that are inherent to the, to the beauty industry compared to other consumer goods uh, segments. First, the beauty industry is all about customer experience, right? product must appeal to most of the senses, touch, sight, and smell. The, the visual appeal of the product is essential and must catch the eye of the consumer and stand out, stand out from competition. This is why packaging is so central for beauty brands, much more than in other consumer verticals. In the survey, we note that 91% of respondents in the beauty sector consider packaging to be highly important compared to 83% in other segments. Second, beauty is very much about the animation of the product line. Brands are constantly launching new products or refreshing ex their existing product portfolios, which drives traffic to the store or website. This is something central to the beauty category and contrasts with other industries. This translates into significant and frequent investment in packaging. If you look at beauty brands and their hot topics, sustainability is clearly at the top of the list. And it's something that's reflected in most of their corporate communication as luxury group and brands set ambitious targets, as mentioned by Karin at the beginning of the discussion. It's interesting to note that currently the beauty industry is not the most advanced in terms of packaging sustainability commitments when measured against current sustainable packaging spending. Indeed, despite the commitment of major brands to transform their portfolios, the large-scale adoption in the market is quite slow. But this is likely to change in the near term, creating opportunities. The priorities of beauty brands stated in the survey relate to first, continue to reduce packaging weight, which is something that they have been engaged over the last decade. Second, continue their efforts on eco-design, eco-conception. 
And third, continue to favor biodegradable and recyclable materials to produce their packaging. This translates into a critical risk uh, for suppliers who are less advanced on sustainability issues, as brand owners reported that they were willing to switch vendors to reach their targets. Finally, on a lighter note, as mentioned by Shona, smart packaging is gaining popularity as it's seen as a great way to engage customers by pointing them to brand or educational content on how to use product and incorporate into their beauty routines. Thank you, Philippe. All right, let's go to you, Karen. How did Germany differ from other European countries and why was that, do you think? I think the most surprising uh, thing that we found in Germany was that the share of sustainable packaging in Germany was fairly low compared to other countries and that, in fact, UK uh, came out as a, a bit of a champion on that front, both in terms of target setting, but also in terms of, you know, percentage of goals fulfilled and uh, all the sort of different activities around that. The reason it surprised us was that um, if you look at secondary sources and certainly quite a lot of the experience we have um, with um, the German brand owners and packaging industry, A, regulation is pretty strict and arguably you know, driving quite a lot of that early. Uh, secondly, the German consumer is super eco-friendly and also, you know, a recent survey said that the German consumer is even more willing than the UK consumer to spend more on sustainable products. Thirdly, that's also translated into quite a lot of um, statements of German brand owners. We think what's going on here probably has to do with the fact that Germany has already moved along quite a number of um, initiatives. So, for instance, if you think about deposit schemes and recycling and so on, um, they're actually doing relatively well. And so that could be one of the reasons why in terms of, you know, what's the top priority for next year and the year after, it's not necessarily um, sustainability. Uh, it's come down a little bit. Having said that, one other interesting finding was that Germany seems to be the most positive on packaging spend and packaging R&D. So, I mean, the difference to the European average is not massive, but it's above it. And also, they're more confident than other European countries in terms of um, passing on price increases to consumers. So, there seems to be a little bit of buffer in terms of pricing up. And last but not least, I'd call out e-commerce as an opportunity, because even though Germany has a pretty high share of an e-commerce packaging across European countries, uh, it's still the one that doesn't have as many e-commerce specific formats. And we think there might be opportunity for catch up. Uh, OK, let's travel over to France and the UK. So, Philippe, what were the key observations on how brand owners differed from the European average? And what do you perceive the reasons for this to be? Perhaps there are three things worth not noting. First, in all the countries surveyed, the prevalence of short series is increasing, with France especially showing the fastest expected future growth of the countries in the sample. Second, when it comes to future packaging investment, France and the UK are the countries where respondents are most optimistic about spending on packaging over the next two years. Last, in terms of sustainability, the UK is the country that currently invests the most in sustainable packaging, 
with 31% of its total packaging spend made in sustainable packaging, while France is 10 points below. This could be related to the introduction of uh, restrictive plastic and packaging tax legislation in Spain, the UK and Italy in 2022-23, which is pushing brands to switch to sustainable packaging. Similarly, the UK is expected to continue to invest heavily as respondents expect sustainable packaging to account for more than 42% of their packaging spend by 2024 compared to 30% in France. Thank you. Uh, and Carmen, on the Spanish and Italian brand owners, can you offer any specific observations of differences? Sure. Let's start with the Spanish market first. And Spain is the second country with most sustainability conscious brands in Europe after the UK. Although in Spain there is a lot of use of plastics, this is actually with a significant share of recycled plastic. And with the new legislations entering into force in 2023, our new packaging tax legislation is uh, expected to actually increase the sustainability consciousness of the country. Additionally, Spanish brands, as Italian, are typically more likely to keep their SKU portfolio flexible and thus require a higher share of short runs, smaller batches, that allow their, uh, for higher flexibility. Some of these could be linked particularly with strong promotional uh, activities, especially in Spain. If you look at historically, um, Spain has had a higher proportion of seasonal promotional SKUs, is nine compared to five of the rest of Europe, which is substantially higher. And if you look at previous, previous year, and Spain is the only country that has uh, basically increased significantly in the XKUs due to recessions, especially in 2020. Additionally, brand owners are expected to maintain or reduce their stock levels in the coming years, which is a positive sign going forward. Despite brick and mortar is very important in the Spanish market, there is a strong digital retail channel particularly in e-commerce and marketplaces, for instance, for food companies. And this is mainly uh, explained through a high daily internet usage by the population. With all of this, uh, based on the survey, 85% of the brands are expected to maintain their suppliers. This is the larger shares in all of Europe. And this is mainly uh, linked to the fact that actually and the spend on packaging is expected to grow the least of the country survey. If we move into Italy, Italy is similar but has some particularities. So for instance, it is modern, it is less sustainability conscious than Spain. But with the new legislation, this is expected to improve. There's a high uh, SKU volatility, being the highest of all Europe, with 45% of the SKUs being uh, SKUs that are updated, refreshed, or retired. Brand owners, as in Spain, are less likely to change packaging uh, compared to other Northern European countries. This is also supported by the lowest change in Spain of packaging R&D for primary brands top SKUs over the last two years. Half of the respondents did not change or even reduce their spend on packaging R&D over the last two years. If we look at the channels, there's a high reliance on brick and mortar. 
practice is quite uh, driven by the traditional importance of farming shops, local specialized stores, and food markets. So summarizing, survey results indicate that the Italian brand owners are seeking packaging manufacturers able to serve brick-and-mortar channels and volatile SKU's portfolio, with a lesser importance of being able to regularly make changes to packaging. Going forward, sustainable materials might grow in importance with a dynamic regulation. Very good. Thank you. Shona, tell us what were Polish brand owners' perspectives compared to Western European perspectives? And what could be drivers of differences? Sure. Well, when looking at the results of Polish brand owners compared to those results in Western European countries, it's important to keep in mind the relative brand and company sizes that we're dealing with. So actually, whenever you look at the Polish brand owner respondents, most of them, in fact, two thirds came from micro brands, which had company revenues less than 99 million. However, brands in the other five countries were much more evenly represented across company tiers, some up to even the 10 plus billion revenue mark. So that can be driving some of the differences here. And it's important to keep in mind when we talk about some of those differences. Now, in terms of specific differences in the Polish respondents, one of the areas that very clearly stood out is that Polish brand owners report a very stable brand SKU portfolio. In fact, compared to other countries and unlike Spanish brands, as Carmen just shared with us, Poland actually has the highest share of SKUs that remained the same historically versus being refreshed or updated or new SKUs being introduced. And because of this higher stability, actually what we're seeing is that The Polish brands have the highest proportion of long runs for their packaging format. And actually, this contrasts with other, for example, French and Italian brands that have, on the other hand, the highest portion of short runs, but that's aligned with their more flexible SKU portfolios. Another aspect that stood out among respondents from uh, Poland was uh, the level of macroeconomic exposure. So, in fact, Polish brand owners have reported over the last two years spending less on packaging R&D compared to other European countries. And this could be driven by macroeconomic factors. You know, when we compare with some of the larger economies like Germany and the UK, um, we would expect, and that's in line with the results, that Polish brands, being smaller, are also more sensitive to economic recessions. Now, this also aligns with the higher levels of inventory of top SKUs that Polish brand owners are reporting over the last 12 months, which is indicative of recessionary fears and could have led to decision-making to reduce packaging R&D spend. On the other hand, we've talked a lot about sustainability, and Carmen just walked through, you know, the sustainability legislation uh, that we're seeing in Spain and Italy. In fact, Poland appears to lag other Western countries, reporting the lowest completion of sustainable packaging goals to date. And brand owners also have a lower expectation for being able to complete their sustainable packaging goals in the medium term. And that does indicate to us, you know, potentially lower eco-consciousness 
and perhaps also a more lax regulatory environment when we compare to some of the more advanced or sustainability-minded countries like the UK or Germany. And the last aspect to call out would be um, the go-to-market channels that Polish brands are using. So we've seen that Polish brand owners are reporting a much higher prevalence of brick-and-mortar stores compared to any other European country, actually. And also within Poland, higher than any other channel, including direct-to-consumer, e-commerce, or online sites. So it would also appear that some of those trends around e-commerce and you know shifting to an online environment is also a little bit lagging in Poland compared to some of the other Western countries. Super. Thank you, Shona. Uh, okay, let's finish with this then. Karen, uh, what are the key takeaways for packaging companies in serving European brand owners in 2023 and beyond? So I think maybe we uh, structure it into the opportunities that are there in the market. Secondly, the capabilities that converters need to pursue those. And lastly, maybe a call out of uh, another thing not to be forgotten. So on the opportunity front, I think despite all the macroeconomic headwinds, there's quite a bit of opportunity in terms of brand owners still proliferating primary brands, adding new SKUs. There's also quite a lot of short-run trend that one can participate in. It's also clear that sustainability um, provides opportunity along with um, differentiated aesthetics. And overall, if you think about it, we found that 80% of brand owners are actually quite loyal to their um, suppliers and converters. That contrasts with about 38% in the U.S., which is great because it means you know, you have a sort of pretty stable relationship which you can develop, yeah. And the opportunity on uh, the new packaging front, along with increased spend and interest in more R and D, is good news for converters. Now, to be able to take advantage of that opportunity, what do you need? I think first and foremost, it's around being able to innovate. And being able to cater to that need of shorter runs and um, brand refreshes and so on to help um, the brand owners uh, continuously differentiate on the aisles or in the e-commerce shop, as it were. It's also around offering more suitable and innovative formats in e-commerce, which is growing. And there's also a growing need for differentiated packaging, particularly in um, consumer electronics or beauty, for instance. Targeting the need for more sustainable packaging, it's all about being able to offer recycled content. And we know that some converters even go as far as integrating that and sort of buying recycling capability to be able to offer that in quantity and in consistent quality to brand owners. So something to think about. It's also about the recyclable designs and monomaterials. So switching from something that was maybe multi-laminate to something that is more easily um, recyclable that will enable um, converters to, to win share. And then last but not least, smart packaging. Now, for the converter, there's always the question around what sort of smart packaging is actually valuable, not only to the brand owner, but also to the converter in that it sort of gives enhanced margins. 
I think there's three ways of driving smart packaging. One is around customer engagement. And ideally, that's not just sort of printing a QR code onto packaging. It's more to do with um, the back end of that. And some converters are thinking quite proactively around how to develop propositions there. Then for food particularly, and also fresh beverages, um, there is value in freshness indicators and temperature control. And last but not least, in the higher value uh, uh, consumer electronics, um, security and traceability is an issue. In terms of um, the final call out, now, you know, with all the uh, opportunity around product development, innovation, so on, one has to bear in mind that brand owners will still face quite a lot of cost pressure. Inflation is rampant. Um, they're trying to spare the consumer from too high price increases for fear of losing them through down trading or reduced consumption. And converters do have to contribute their share in helping them stay competitive. So while there is some buffer and uh, some concession and understanding that pricing goes up, any converter who can combine the innovation with a keen eye on keeping packaging pricing increases down is going to be more competitive. Thank you, Karen. And to all the LEK consultants, we appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.